You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 50. Welcome back, Curd Nerds. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, thanks for joining me once again on the Little Green Cheese podcast. We've got some uh, great uh, voicemails today, and I'm going to be primarily focusing on voicemails. And the topic of the show today is getting help when you need it. Yes, um, over the years, I have noticed that many, many people reach out to me via email or Facebook and sometimes via YouTube comments um, on how to fix whatever's going wrong in their cheese-making journey. Um, Not only that, but lots of uh, encouragement for myself um, to continue podcasting and uh, making videos on my YouTube channel, cheeseman.tv. Now, what spurred this off was a voicemail I received from Shara, and uh, I'll play that now for you. Oh, hi, Gavin. This is Shara. I created a page on Facebook called Learn to Make Cheese, and we are over 7,000 members strong in under two years. I'd love to invite you to join us there. It's free for everyone and anyone that does cheese-making classes. Uh, is welcome to post on the page in return for their free advice for all of our members. Hope to see you there. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Shara. Yes, I did join, as you well know, and I've been quite active over on the Facebook group. So Shara's voicemail prompted me to have a look and see what other sorts of uh, uh, mediums, I suppose, that there are for getting help when your cheese doesn't go quite right. So I've come up with a whole swag of, of information places, uh, for want of, another, uh, want of another, another term. So first of all, I'll start off with Facebook, obviously, um, and Shara alluded to the Learn to Make Cheese Facebook group. I've joined and it is very active. Um, there are lots of people asking lots of questions and proudly showing pictures of their cheeses and and uh, even putting up videos. That's me. <laughs> and there's another one, uh, and that's mainly, um, I would say mainly US-based. Uh, there are a lot of um, US cheesemakers, um, home cheesemakers on that Facebook group. Now, another one a little bit closer to my end of town, and that's an Aussie one called Curds and Way Down Under. It's an N, not an N. So Curds and Way down under. So great little Facebook group, that one. There's over, I think it's over 500, maybe 600 members on that one. And that's very active as well. Lots of people popping up, um, fantastic pictures of their cheeses and asking questions and reaching out and uh, and are seeking help where they need. So that's Facebook. You can, uh, there's probably heaps of others that I've missed out, but uh, they're the two that I'm subscribed to and they're very active, and they more than welcome home cheesemakers um, into the group, uh, and it's it's all good fun, and they're mediated very well. So some other places where you can get help is cheese forums. Now I know that there's a very uh, there's a very active one. It's called cheeseforum.org, 
and I've been there stalking um, many times. I'm not actually a member of the group, but uh, I do seek out some answers. Um, they have a simple search function where you can go and look for information. And there are also lots and lots of recipes. And um, there's like a mini Wikipedia for cheesemakers there where you can find out lots of answers to your cheesemaking questions. Uh, next, there's videos. And I searched YouTube high and low for another video channel other than my own, uh, which is um, cheeseman.tv. That's the quick link to the YouTube channel. And I really couldn't find many. There are a lot of commercial, uh, probably like TV shows that do a, a TV just do a TV show or a documentary about a, a typical cheese factory and stuff like that. There's lots of those on there, but nothing really for the home cheesemaker unless um, you pop over to my channel for the cheesemaking tutorials. That brings me on to websites. So obviously there's my website, littlegreencheese.com, and you can check that out. There's lots of recipes and tutorials and stuff like that on there. Now, one other one that I do, and there's actually quite a few, there's a few others, curdnerd.com. So that's curd-nerd.com. There are lots of recipes and stuff on there, uh, and that is a very interesting website. It hasn't really had a post since about 2014, so it's not uh, constantly posted to, but there is a lot, a lot of information on there. Uh, another one that has lots of really good information sheets in the form of PDF um, pages you can download, and that is artisancheesemakingathome.com. So that's artisancheesemakingathome.com. And then go to the there's a forms and charts page, uh, and one of the best resources on there is the cultures um, PDF, which is a downloadable form, and it has all of the bacterial makeups of all of the different cultures that are on the market, or most of them anyway. And I've seen to, that's got me out of trouble many, many times and helped me answer so many questions, um, not only on this podcast, but uh, certainly on my YouTube channel as well. So check out the forms and charts area of artisancheesemakingathome.com. Now, other one dear to my heart is much to do about cheese.com. And there are a lot of good rate a lot of great resources on that channel. It's run by my cheesemaking friend, Ian Trower. Um, and he's gone from home cheesemaker, like myself, to full-blown professional. And uh, he actually runs the Winding Road Creamery uh, somewhere near Edmonton in Alberta, Canada. And you'll see lots of information there. And he sells his cheese now locally at... Um, farmers markets and in some stores uh, and he's branching out he's got some fantastic cheeses in his repertoire um, so go and check out much to do about cheese.com anyway that's enough of me rambling on about getting help don't forget that you can leave questions on littlegreencheese.com i've got no problems at all Shoot through an email through the via the contact form, or leave a voicemail, like uh, many of the people that I'm going to play today have asked today. So it's a simple little tag, and you use the microphone on either your um, PC or your mobile device. Very simple to do. Anyway, on with the rest of the voicemail questions. So this one is from Cheryl, 
Hi, Gavin. My name is Cheryl, and I live in Canada, and I've just seen your videos on cheese making on YouTube. Um, I have a question for you, and that is, um, I watched another cheese making video, and they were referring to the type of milk that is used. Since all the milk near me is from a store, I'm just wondering, um, is that going to be a problem? Because it's all pasteurized what type of milk do you use? Um, I mean, I know it's cow's milk. Um, I'm really interested in um, learning how to make cheese and uh, just checking out your website. Uh, maybe you can um, get back to me. Well, thanks for that, Cheryl. Um, appreciate the question. So the type of milk I use, I used um, cow's milk, as you alluded to, and I used pasteurized milk, but it is unhomogenized. And thankfully, um, here in Australia, there is a growing trend amongst the supermarkets anyway that are now stocking non-homogenised or unhomogenised milk. And that is a big bonus for the cheesemaker. And the good thing is it is slow pasteurisation, not super fast or ultra-heated pasteurisation or ultra-pasteurisation, which is no good for any cheesemaker and it uh, destroys a lot of the structure in the milk. So... Yeah, so that's what I use when I can get my hands on it, and, and more often than not, I can now, which is really good. Now, when I first started making cheese, I did use um, just normal store-bought pasteurised homogenised milk, and I added um, calcium chloride. Now, I add calcium chloride to all my cheese. It doesn't matter what sort of milk I use now. Better safe than sorry, I've found. And uh, yeah, I was making pretty good cheese, but as soon as I switched to pasteurised and non-homogenised milk, my cheeses were so much more flavoursome, the curd set a lot better, and I had no problems really. Now that's only for um, you know people that don't have access to raw milk in the form of goat or cow's milk. Those who have their own dairies or their own um, house cow, then you know there's an ample supply of raw milk. Um, but for uh, us city folk, unfortunately, the supermarkets, the uh, closest and the cheapest place to get milk. So, um, like I said, pasteurised and uh, and non-homogenised is the best that I can get my hands on at this stage. Well, thanks for your question, Cheryl. Well, the next one is from Cressida. I'll just play that one. Hi, Gavin. Uh I just want to say thank you so much. Your podcast is awesome. I've just started looking at your website and uh, your work is really great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Well, thanks, Cressida. I appreciate that. It uh, never fails to amaze me the amount of people that visit me and from all over the world. It's uh, great to hear your voice. Thank you very much. All right, we've got a question from Holly, and this one's about Havarti. Hi, Gavin. This is Holly. I'm trying to make your Havarti recipe, and my rennet's been in for about 50 minutes, and I'm getting a break, but it's pretty soft, and so I didn't know how long I should let it go, if I should try to add extra rennet to it after the fact, or if it's just going to the pigs. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for your question, Holly. Yes, around renneting times, you look, if it's by 50 minutes, I would leave it for another oh, 10, 15 minutes, and you will find you'll probably get a, a really good clean break. Look, when in doubt, just test it. Test it for a clean break and let it go. If it has set partially, then, you know, it'll take a little bit more time to set properly. Usually, uh, I find that most of the recipes that I use, it says 
you know, 40 minutes. And normally when I test for a clean break, then um, it uh, it's quite sloppy. So I'll let it set for another 10 minutes and it's right as rain, no problems at all. So just wait a little bit longer um, and then test again. And then if that doesn't work, test again. Don't try and add rennet after the fact. You'll, it won't work because it started to set already. If you start to stir it, you'll break all the curd structure. So, uh, yeah, don't try and add rennet after the fact. All right. Thanks very much, Holly, for your question. Now, the next one is from from Ken. Hi, Gavin. It's Ken here from Australia. Loved your video on how to make camembert cheese. Um, keep up the good work. Um, it's um, good to see you putting um, good quality videos on YouTube. Thanks. Well, thanks for your thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been a little bit more regular now on YouTube. I've been putting a video up once every week, which um, for some people um, have asked me how the heck I do it. Well, that's because I make two um, cheeses at once in one session, and I can manage to do that. Plus, when you add in the taste tests, there's an extra video. And I've been doing some technique videos as well, so... And really keeping um, keeping the mix nice and um, nice and fluid there, because um, I find that if you just post recipe after recipe after recipe, nobody gets a feel for you know how it turned out. I could be um, I could be lying. <laughs> I, I don't lie about how the cheeses turn out, but you know I like to show proof of how they turned out. You know, good or bad. You know, some of the video taste videos have been um, a bit ordinary, but. Uh, as in the cheese that have turned out, but uh, I then try and troubleshoot on how I think um, it could have been better. Anyway, thank you very much, Ken, for your thanks. The next one's from Lisa. Hi, Gavin. My name's Lisa. I'm from Melbourne. And I just got a quick question for you. I have just managed to get my hands on 10 litres of fresh cow's milk, so straight from someone who has dairy cattle. I'm just wondering the best way to pasteurise it and also are there any changes I need to make when I make my feta or my halloumi using this milk? Currently I just use normal store-bought unhomogenised milk. So I'm not too sure the best way to go about using. So um, I'd be really interested to hear from you. Thank you. Well, thanks for your question, Lisa. You're probably long gone and made the made the cheese by now anyway since I got around to answering the question. But anyway, so pasteurisation is pretty simple. All you need to do is you need to heat the milk to 63 degrees Celsius and hold the temperature there for 30 minutes and then, you know, keep stirring it to make sure the heat's evenly distributed. And then you remove the milk from the heat and then place it in a sink of ice water uh, and this brings the temperature down as quickly as possible. And then when the milk has reached 4 degrees Celsius, it can be stored in the fridge or can be used for cheese making straight away. So that's slow pasteurisation. Um, there are other methods where you heat it up and the higher you heat the milk up, the less amount of time you have to keep it at that temperature. Um, but in every pasteurisation method, you have to then bring the temperature down very quickly um, down to four degrees Celsius, so there's no bacteria build up. So that's pasteurisation, pretty simple. However, for um, one of the cheeses that you are using there, halloumi, you don't need to pasteurise the milk before you make halloumi, um, because when you make halloumi, you have to uh, just about boil away 
when you put the slabs of cheese back in, um, and that will kill most of the pathogens within the uh, the cheese anyway. So traditional halloumi is not pasteurised. Um, it is made from raw milk anyway. So I hope that helps out. The next question is from Lynn. Hi, Gavin. Um, my name's Lynn. I haven't quite started yet. I'm just getting all my equipment together before I actually start. I did get um, a Mad Millie kit and I just wonder, is there much difference between the liquid rennet and the, the um, tablet form rennet that she sent me? And, you know, whether you suggest using those. Thanks. Well, thanks, Lynn. I appreciate your question. Now, there is a, a big difference between tablets and liquid rennet, especially when it comes to the, uh, and here in Australia and New Zealand, the Mad Millie brand is quite popular and they do stock rennet tablets. And I think that each tablet can coagulate, I think it's four litres or eight litres of milk. Now, very light on and uh, sometimes they don't work. So I don't stock them in our own shop at littlegreenworkshops.com.au. Um, I stock uh, from ours, which is a, it's a rennet tablet and it coagulates 50 litres of milk and it's scored into uh, quarters and each quarter of the rennet tablet can coagulate 12 and a half litres of milk. And I find that fairly reliable. However, I prefer to use a liquid rennet because it's far more accurate um, when you can measure it out. Um, I use between, I think it's 200 IMCU, um, International Milk Coagulation Units, so it's about 200 and it's the same rennet that I stock in my shop. Uh, and I have no troubles with it whatsoever in any of the recipes. It always coagulates the milk correctly. Um, and I find that tablets are sometimes a bit of hit and miss. So uh, I stick to liquid rennet. I hope that answers your question, Lynn. And the final question is from Mike. And it's a, a little bit long, but it's, it's, uh, it's nice to hear. Here we go. Yeah, good day, Gavin. Um, my name's Mike. I live on the Gold Coast in Queensland, and I'm new to cheese making. Just uh, been in it a couple of months, um, really, since uh, my wife happened upon uh, one of these uh, scoop-on or group-on, whatever you call them, deals for a uh, half-day cheese making course um, where we learnt to make brie. Um, and my first brie is currently in the fridge, maturing as I speak. So. Looking forward to seeing how that turns out. It's looking pretty good at the moment with a nice um, white bloomy mould on it. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, really want to thank you for your for your podcasts and for your videos. They've been really, really helpful. Tiny bit about myself. I uh, came out to Australia when I was just a young lad, 11 years old, from the UK. And my family is Welsh, um, back as far as uh, you can go. And one of my favourite cheeses was um, one... Uh, that my father introduced me to when I was just a lad, and that's Kefili. And I, uh, you can imagine how pleased I was to come across your, uh, not only your recipe, but your uh, obvious passion for the cheese. Uh, it really is one of my favourites, but very hard to get in Australia, as you know. I think I've only had it once, and that was uh, in the Hunter Valley, I think. Um, a very nice one too. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to getting into that. Um, I just got one question um, on that recipe and and probably applies to a lot of them really uh, where you call for the cheese to be air dried uh, for a few days um, I'm concerned about the temperature 
um, particularly here in Queensland. It's not too bad in the winter, of course, but uh, what would you consider to be the optimal temperature uh, for that period before it goes into the cheese fridge? Um, so looking forward to hearing from you and um, really, again, really, really appreciate your podcast and uh, all the information that um, uh, you've imparted to people like me, newbies. So I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks very much. Bye. Well, thanks, Mike. Really appreciate your voicemail, mate. Yeah, Kefili, one of my favourite cheeses, and apparently I pronounce it correctly. So, yeah, anyway, your question, air drying. Yeah, look, the optimum temperature, I leave it to air dry. It's around about 21 degrees here inside, um, even in summer in my home um, because it's fairly heavily insulated and we've got double glazing here in Victoria. And uh, 21 degrees Celsius, the cheese doesn't sweat. Um, and by sweating, I mean leaks oil and all that sorts of stuff. Probably will be a little bit hotter um, up there in Queensland, especially in summer. Um, I know down here in Victoria, I don't make cheese during the summer. It's just too hot. Um, I can't keep the milk cool enough in the kitchen, especially when we're having like 45 degree Celsius days, which is, um, you know, mega hot. But uh, yeah, I just don't make it in summer. Um, I'd rather make it in um, spring, autumn and winter and where you have really have any troubles. But uh, yeah, air drying, about 21 degrees Celsius. At a pinch, you could probably put it in your cheese fridge and air dry it in there. Just make sure you turn it every couple of days. Um, and as long as the cheese fridge stays around between 10 and, say, 13 degrees Celsius, you may have to, at that temperature, watch for mould growth. But, uh, you know, it's only the first couple of days you're um, you're making the uh, the cheese dry enough to either wax or vacuum pack. Anyway, thanks, Mike, for your question, and um, I appreciate you listening to the podcast because without you guys out there listening, um, I wouldn't um, wouldn't have the motivation, I suppose, to record it every week now. Anyway, thanks very much. Now, if you want to leave a voicemail question, don't hesitate to pop over to littlegreencheese.com and you'll see the leave a voicemail for Gavin tab. It's on the right-hand side of the page. Um, if you can't see it on a mobile device, you may have to go to a desktop and go to a browser and uh, and you'll be able to see it there. Feel free to leave me a voicemail. Um, doesn't cost anything and just about any PC these days has a microphone. So just I do ask though, please play it back before you hit the send button to see if it's audible. I do get quite a few that I just cannot understand because Either the microphone's too loud or it's choppy or what have you. Just have a listen to your recording before you hit the send button and I will gladly answer your question and play it here on the show. Oh, it's home time. That was a cowbell. It's time to finish the podcast. You've been listening to Little Green Cheese Podcast. For upcoming workshop dates and recipes, you can find them over at littlegreencheese.com. You can also check out my book, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, A Beginner's Guide to Cheese Making at Home. That's available in all ebook formats and all good ebook retailers. You can also buy it on the site. Don't forget you can check out my cheese making video tutorials over at cheeseman.tv and that'll shoot you straight through to YouTube. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next exciting episode of Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop 
and call to the dairy cows.